0: Hi, everyone. It's Julia Sotis here on A Totally Different Reality on our lovely Wednesday morning. Um, so a little bit of update on last week's cinnamon fiasco. It was quite the fiasco. I, uh, In case you weren't here last week, I made, um, how many, uh, 900 cinnamon buns and 60 homemade apple pies out of my kitchen with my poor mother. And so I sold them at this music festival and it was the craziest running around experience of my life so I did make a profit but it was not what I had expected but it was it was quite the adventure so that's what I've been doing for the last week it's been pretty intense Um, so today on the show um we have a really amazing guest she is a lovely lovely woman who works with children who have Autism, OCD, ADD, ADHD, um, kids um, within access that we say have X-Men capacities. They're not functioning necessarily from this reality. They're functioning from their own reality. And there's so much um, that... You know, we get caught up in of how we project things at these kids that they are a certain way, or so sad for them, or you know things like that. And it's like, well, what if what if we took a different perspective today and looked at things um, in the sense of possibilities? Um, you know, how these um, how children who have things like that are actually gifted. I know, I'm sure I have some form of all of those things because I can't write <laughs> properly. I can't. There's so many things that I just it's just everything is so fast for me that I, I, it's, it's really difficult to do certain things. And so I've had to learn to adapt. So I'm really excited to talk to today's guest about even like my experiences with this and um, her experiences with children who have had this um, probably to a lot stronger degree than I have. So today we have Trina Rice. So thank you so much for being on today, Trina. Hi. Hello. Hi, everyone. I'm excited <laughs> to be here. Yeah. So um can you I always like to start the show off with a little bit of history about um about my guests. So where did you um start working um as you were you're a a child o-
1: no occupational yeah. therapist. Yeah,
0: you take over there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I have been an occupational therapist specifically a pediatric occupational therapist for like 17 years. Um so that's my background. I went to school for that, and I've been doing it quite a while in several different, in all different arenas um, versus, like, in-home therapy, working with kids one-on-one, working in group homes. Um, I work in several different schools. I've worked in private schools, um, public schools, and state schools, wow. and I've also worked in clinics. So I've kind of been daycare preschool centers. So I've kind of um, done a variety of different things, um, and th- I specifically have mostly always worked with kids and kids with a lot of the excellent capacities.
0: Okay. Wow, that's amazing. That's a that's a long journey. So how did you find access consciousness?
1: Um, I have been doing access for I think learned of access about a little over two years ago, and I'm always one of those seekers, and I've always been asking. I know there's more with what I do with the kids. I've known that from the get-go, and so I'm always asking questions of like, what else is there? And then one day I just heard, um, it was actually on a radio show, um, I heard some stuff about Access and I didn't even know what it was. I was just like, "What is this?" And so I listened to it some more, and then I started doing a little bit of research and found some people locally, and it just kind of went from there. Um, But I've—it's—it's really awesome because it's helped me kind of understand more of what I've already been doing, right? um, And also has given me some really key tools to assist the kids that I work with and to help them and give them tools so they can interact in their environment with a lot more ease.
0: Wow. So so the title of today's show is, is like Beyond Therapy, Being With Kids. So for you, what is being with kids?
1: That's a like, great question. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's the one thing that I... I guess I never realized that I was doing. Right, um, yeah, you just are it naturally. Yeah, and I never got that until I started doing more of access stuff. So basically what it is, it's like the way I perceive it and understand it, it's like being able to when I work with or play with the kids that I'm with, it's being able to be with them without all the judgment and without all the projections and all the stuff that gets placed upon them with their labels of, like, who they've been labeled, who they are, and then the expectations of how they're going to act because of those labels. It's going beyond all of that and seeing them just as the person, just as the being that they are and totally lowering your barriers and being present with them. It's kind of like, it's when you, like, when I go into a room, I go in there with, like, hi, how are you? How are you guys today? It's that being that present with them. And right. it's really, yeah, so that's what I see as um, the being with kids. It's taking totally. them for who they are just as, as they are. Right. Like, and um, one of the big things, yeah. Go you know, go go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, um, for the longest time I've um I've gone into the judgment of like I'm never doing enough or I'm not, you know, seeing the progress or whatever this reality determines that you were supposed to do in regards of therapy when you're providing therapy with a child. And right. I've also had other therapists say the same thing to me. They're like, Well, what am I even doing here? And and what I've turned around and said, I'm like, what if just by you being you, you're allowing them the space to show up differently? Because when, where do they get that space? A lot of times in their home environment, and that's not for, and that's not to say that's for everybody and everything, but I've seen it a lot. Like either in their school environment or their home environment or wherever they're, wherever they're at, they get so judged for who they are and how they show up. So my big thing is like, you know what, what if my target is just to, sh- to create as much joy and possibility in their universe as possible? Wow. And just by being present with them and showing that, hey, you know what, you're amazing.
0: Yeah. And I've
1: done that. I just did that this week with them. Wow. Um, a, a boy that I work with who is has autism and is nonverbal and he's been having some difficulty in school Um, he's been having some basically tantruming and throwing himself on the floor and just some challenges with some things that are going on and i just looked at him and we were talking about some stuff because i just talked to him and i because he can understand it's just that he doesn't he doesn't verbalize um but but we speak on other terms and he will also type on his iPad. But I said to him, I'm like, you know what? You're freaking amazing. I'm like, you're so awesome. And I, I see you for who you are. And you bring so, he brings so much light and play and fun with just who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just basically acknowledged him for that. And he just, like, looked at me, and he, like, gave me the biggest hug. Oh. That's because incredible. he's not, it's, that's, what I'm getting is that's not what he's getting at school.
0: No. Or, yeah, and maybe yeah. ever in his life ever before has he been acknowledged for that?
1: So for me, that's what being, that's kind of what being is. It's being able to just be that with the kids and just show up, blow your barriers and say, hi, here I am. Right. And be present with them. Right. That's... Um, You've talked about the, that's an
0: amazing description. Um, I'm just going to pinpoint a question because I had I was working with somebody recently, and she was talking about the troubles that she was having with her son. And I said, like, what if you could just be totally present with him? And she said, I don't even know what presence is. Like, I don't even know where to start. Like, what what would that even be like? And um, so I actually referred her to um, a radio show that we had been talking about um, being present with animals because sometimes it's easier to picture being present with animals because there's just so much going on with people. It's just a lot easier to have that that peace and presence with an animal. Um, but,
1: That's a great example, yes.
0: Yeah, thanks. So, so like, for, for this, if you had this woman... Um, you know, in front of you, and you were working with her, like how would you help her or describe to her, but like, you already did um, but specifically describe to her how to be present with her son, who's just not cooperating with her
1: for one thing, it asking or for her to acknowledge like. Okay, so what do you actually know? What do you know about your son that you're pretending not to know? Because, and where are you going into the wrongness of you? By you being a certain way that you're actually not doing something right. Because we have a huge thing of doing that, and we make ourselves wrong, and then we judge ourselves. And the more judgment you have, they pick up on that, because they're so aware. So instead of thinking, okay, I'm doing something wrong, I'm not... Interacting with them. What if you could just, like, for just ten seconds, for that moment, be like, you know what? I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna be present. And be, by saying that, is totally lower your barriers. And just like, if you have to see yourself, like, that you have all these walls put up around you, um, see yourself actually physically pushing down those walls and keep pushing them all the way down. And then the other thing that I share and I tell a lot of people is um, it's about expanding out because with that and with the judgment of that we're doing something wrong we so typically become contracted and we're like in this tiny like little small space in this box and these and then we have a tendency of putting that on with our with the kids that we're with so, like, being present just by lowering all your barriers and then expand yourself out. And, and by that, and the way I even s- explain it um, to parents and with kids is, like, you know, expand yourself out to the eight corners of the room that you're presently in. And then expand yourself out to the whole entire, like, property that you're on. And then into the city. And then I just keep going into the country that you're in and keep expanding out. And if you can make yourself expanded before you go show up and be with your child, that's the space that they fill. Because they are already so much space, but they get squished also by all the judgment. So that's what I would say, is totally push down your barriers, expand yourself out, and then just be present. Wow. And what you said with, like, the animals is the same thing. Or if somebody has more of a, you know, if they love plants or being outside in nature, how is it that you are when you're outside in nature? Like, if you go for a walk and you're out in the woods and right. you feel the presence of the nature around you, because you're just that much more expanded, and that's why you, people get so peaceful when they're out in nature. And that's because the trees and the grass and the flowers aren't judging you. Right. They're just being present.
0: You know, it's so amazing. Yesterday I was having a really rough day, and I was just... i The only time I ever have a rough day is when I'm not being me, when I'm buying into other people's realities and pain and, and whatever. And I was like... I just felt like I was really in deep into just far away from myself. And so I was outside cleaning out... Um, the vehicle, and um, we have huge, huge, huge spruce trees, like totally surrounding our farm and all throughout oh, by our goodness. house. And it's like it's they're they're beautiful. I don't know how many feet tall, like like 40 feet tall um, spruce trees all around. So I I was walking from the car to the house, and I I actually just was like, okay, this is just this has to stop and I can't keep buying into other people's realities today, and so I grabbed the, the branches of the tree, and I just held on to them. And I was thinking about um, when Dane was talking about facilitating other people, and he had said that when you're facilitating somebody else, you have to, like, it's not about you anymore. Like, you have to, It's it's just all of your problems and your pain and all the things that you're buying from other people – it's not relevant right now. It's about the person you're facilitating. And so I was like, well, yeah. maybe if I go into that facilitation space and, like, don't worry about myself right now. <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to facilitate the earth. So I just held on the tree, and I was like, tree, like, whatever you need and whatever facilitation you need, like, I'm totally here for you. And I just acknowledged that tree, and it was just, like, so grateful for me and the rest of my day i like after that i had the awareness to keep asking the question what's my reality what's my reality because who does this belong to that tool didn't seem to be working so it was like the tree just gave me such a huge gift and i contributed to it as well and it's just like that sort of relationship with nature is is just so lost like I guess I like for me I'm pretty far out there so like holding on to a tree and talking to a tree isn't a very big deal for me but I think that for a lot of people be like oh my gosh you're a crazy person but like yeah what if we were willing to be a crazy person and and just do whatever works because like the tree is more of my friend than most people in my life because the tree would never judge me and all the tree wants to do is contribute to me and receive from me (laughs) So it's like it's like what if we could be the tree for the children? So that is that is awesome and that is
1: <laughs> so an amazing yeah example and it's just the energy that you get from that because I mean I do that a lot too. <laughs> I do that a lot too with the trees um, but I've noticed that like if, it is if you're able to take that and how you are and be that with the kids that yeah. that's where they're able to like be them, and they get out of all, because the other part of you said something too when you were explaining that, um, it's what you pick up from everybody else, and that's the one thing I've been so aware of with these kids, their awareness is like huge, I mean like absolutely huge, it's like 360 degrees all around them, so something could be going on right in front of their face, but they could be... Totally responding to something that's happening in another room, right? And so many people don't get that, and then there's they're bombarded all day long, and but they don't have they don't have the filters like we have filters to be able to decipher well, and sometimes we can't even do that, so then we expect them to do it, but like right. filtering what's our what's our thought or our feeling or our emotion versus you know what is picking up from somebody else right and that's the other big thing that I've um I guess is a key thing that I use and a tool that I use to help with the kids is like um gosh my brain just went like 20 different directions <laughs> <laughs> about, about like um all the all destroying and uncreating all the projections and all of those thoughts and all those things um, right. that they pick up. And I'm, I'll be like, what do you know? Or what are you perceiving? Because that's another piece is that they perceive stuff. It's not that they they don't necessarily have the feelings for it. And we try to lock them into how they feel emotionally about something. Right. Yeah, so it's mm-hmm. asking them, what what do they perceive? Right. And like, I yeah. got, like... Yeah, and a great. I have a great story um, for that. with one of the kids that I worked with. He um, he has autism, nonverbal, and he was. Well, actually, it's just it goes back to kind of the same boy I was talking about earlier. But um, and I work with several other kids with things. But this is just a story that comes up around that. He was. Um, having a difficult, challenging time, and I was asking him, like, well, what do you know? And, because he was basically throwing himself down on the floor or pulling somebody's hair or biting his hand. Those are the things, and it wasn't, like, it was mostly self like, what we'd say self-abusive behaviors, but he also was reaching out to other people. It was getting to that point, and he's not a small, small child. Right, so... Yeah, so everybody, it's, it also goes to a safety concern. Um, so I was like, you know, what What do you know? You know, what's going on? And where is this occurring? So I just kept asking what he would know, and he would type. And it's really difficult, even though, like, a lot of times, like I was saying, I communicate with him, and it's a lot of yes, no, him nodding his head. He understands what I'm saying, and also me picking up things. But... Um, him typing on his iPad, but even with that, it's still, he'll type and he'll move his hand, but he still needs, support. So it's not even an easy thing for him to be able to do that, but he was willing to go there. And he's like, um, you know, it's my, he, it, eventually we got to, it's my teacher. And then I was like, well, what do you know about that? Like, when is that occurring? And he's like, he was telling me at certain classes, And that's how we got down to a teacher. And then I asked him again, I'm like, so, you know, what do you know about that? And he goes, well, she thinks I'm stupid. Right. And I'm like, or she said, I think he said she said I'm stupid. I'm like, did she really actually say that, or are you picking that up? And then he was like, yes. And I said, well, what if, you know, you're so aware and you're picking that up, and it's not that she thinks that you're stupid, It's that that's how she feels about herself because she's not able to communicate with you. Because I did miss out a piece before that. He did say, she doesn't get me. She doesn't understand me. And and so that's what I'm saying, how aware they are. I mean, she never said that to him. But that's what he was pulling out of her head. And so then in turn, he was feeling judged and all of that. And so then what's he do? He acts out. By displaying a behavior for that particular in that particular classroom,
0: right absolutely, um, yeah um, I was talking I was actually um, being facilitated by somebody yesterday during my frustrating day, and um, <laughs> I was saying to them um, like during the facilitation that I would rather like my basic point of view at this point which i'm which I'm changing um, is that I would rather believe that i'm stupid and that i'm pathetic and that i'm messed up then see how stupid and pathetic and messed up other people think that they are like i would rather just internalize it and Mm -hmm. and believe that everybody else is okay because i just don't want to know how messed up and upset and pathetic the rest of the, the people around me actually think they are like I'm starting to get awarenesses about my family and and there I have such a lovely family and I grew up in a really incredible environment and to actually go into into my my family's heads and see the the, the pain and and just sort of lack of Like, lack of, like, feelings of creation or or whatever. Like, you just, you want to believe that your dad um, has it together. And, And for this boy, like, maybe in his world, he just wants to believe that his teacher, his authority has it together. And so it's just, like, automatically set up that we decide that we're wrong because they've been around longer or they're teaching us things and it's like that has to stop like it it has to change for myself like i'm making the demand that i don't do that anymore it's just not okay it's it drives me insane um so so yeah that's it's just funny because that's so amazing how you facilitated that boy because you're showing him that really it's not him that she's not just this this image this teacher like she's a person too and and she's not better than him, it's just, and she could be actually the one who's going into the wrongness, and that's where that's actually coming from. It doesn't even have anything to do with him, really. It's her,
1: it's her insecurity. So. Yes, yeah. And um, I, I've, and that's so true with everything that you're saying, too, because we just so have a tendency of going into that there's something wrong, and then we become somebody that we're not. And that's what I see these kids doing as well. And so it's like explaining to them and sharing them with the tools of like, so they can recognize it. Because it's like what I, going back to what I said before, they don't have the filters. No. And so like everything, it's basically for them it's like having like 40 different TVs on with them all on a different channel and all at different volumes. But they're still going and they don't have a remote control to stop, you know, to turn it off. Right. That's how they're bombarded all day long with all this stuff. And so, yeah, it's just like we were talking about before about your, you know, your friend and being with a son. It's just, her son, it's just like, if you can just be aware of that and be like, you know, and just be present with them, a lot of times all of that, like, dissipates. Right. Um, so, yeah.
0: Wow. That's how I feel most of the time. <laughs> That's kind of an awareness for me. I feel like there's like fifteen different TVs going on, and they're blasting in my head. <laughs> so and so actually, because um, I do, I, I use a lot of tools, and they do work when I remember to use them. But sometimes I'm just so bombarded that I'm like, it just I just I just burst into tears and be like, oh, I'm such a pathetic loser and burst into tears and like run to my bed. So um <laughs> so and it's that's completely ridiculous. So um like for the for the kids, like how would you and for me, um and I mean I do have tools and I do use them and they do work, but how, how would you um for somebody who has, you know, 14 different TVs going on all at the same time, how do you how, give them peace like
1: or how do you give them the tools for to get them to peace um a lot of th- a lot, there's several different things. one thing is asking asking them the questions and then giving also giving them different tools, like you know for instance, like the bat piece, it'd be like, well, what if you're the speed of light? you know what if you're so flipping fast and nobody else gets it because you're so fast then they actually think that you're slow. And right. it, it's it's I guess it's kind of like perceiving where they're at and they're aware what they their understanding of some things and being able to give them a different perspective if that's what's required. And like I said, a lot of the kids that I work with, um are nonverbal. And so I'm not even being able to have like what you would say a typical conversation with them. And then I'm like, well, how do I do that? That was been my question all this time too. And sometimes I actually just, just like what I just said, I say it out loud and I explain it to them and you be amazed how much they understand. Right. And, and also I meet them where they're at energetically and, um... That's uh, one way I can explain that is um, kind of like what I was talking about with, like, the zone. But also another piece of that is, like, a lot of these kids, because of all of that, like you said, you want to run off and you want to go crawl into your bed. Well, mm-hmm. they do the same thing. That's what they want to do, and they want to go crawl off and be in a corner. So, and what that typically, not all the time, but what it can be is, like, their, their space. Or their zone has collapsed because oh they taken gosh. on the weight of everybody else. So that's
0: exactly you, how I feel. It's like it's like it, there is like a collapsing feeling to it. Like I feel like I'm suffocating.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I get that, and I and I think that's a huge piece of what goes on so much with these kids. I mean, because um, I can walk into a room, and when there's that tension, or where there is that, uh, you know. Just something, you know, that's going on with the teacher or somebody else that's they having. They're having a crappy day, and it has nothing to do with you or the child or whatever. But they're, you're still picking up on that. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's like so thick in here. It's just like when you walk into a room and you know that somebody had an argument because you can feel it. Well, they have that all the time, so it's also going in and. I don't know how to ex- I'll explain it, but you just do it. Like you feel where they're at, and if you feel like they're really, it's really heavy or they're really contracted, um, you kind of go there and you basically reach in and you push their space out. You expand it out.
0: So you're oh. making their
1: zone that's so small, like if it's like just the size of their body or even smaller than that, and you just expand that out, and you keep pushing and pushing and pushing it out until there's a lot more space, and you'll know you can usually feel it and but you'll also know because they'll start looking around because they start to it's like oh, like it's like almost like this awakening like, oh, what is that? oh, oh." And so when you do it, you're giving them that space to be. And the more you do that with them, they begin to know what that feels like, and so then they can start to do that too for themselves, especially if there's a particular situation that kind of sets them off. Right. You know, like going into a particular room or there's, um, like, for instance, in a school setting, kids, a lot of the kids I work with get really overstimulated by sound. They're auditorily sensitive. And so being able to expand their space before they would go into the gym room where it echoes really bad. You know, whether that's like the lunch room where there's all that's going on or going into a gym class or even to a music class. Right. Doing those kinds of things. And it doesn't even have to be a particular situation but that's what happens a lot.
0: I've I've heard that a really a really beautiful analogy um, that my friend Liam told me he said that and he has these capacities as well I think he's about 20 mm-hmm. and he said that if you drop a brick into a bucket it's going to mess up that water and it's going to splash everywhere and really affect the water in the bucket but if you drop a brick into the ocean it doesn't really do much. It just makes a little ripple and and goes on and sinks to the bottom. Um, and, like, that was such an incredible description for me of, of what is possible when we expand our space. Like, instead of walking around thinking um, that we have as much stuff available to us as the little water bucket, you know, to have the ocean of us available, things just... They, we're still aware of them. It's not that we cut off our awareness. It's just that it, there's just so much more ease and space for them to occur within
1: our space because we have such a big yeah. space. Yeah, that's like so. that is a great description of that.
0: Yeah, I, I that stuck with me for a long time. I really like that description. So because it's sometimes I think that like, the idea of expanding space can be really intimidating for people at first. Like, well, what is that? Or am I doing it right? Or I had one guy in a class who was like, um, I couldn't get past, like, the the shopping mall. Like, he pictured himself, like, in the city, and he's like, I couldn't get past the shopping mall. And he just felt so wrong. And I'm like, like, could you really not? Or, like, were you had you already done it? Like, were you already expanded because you're that fast? And it's like... But if if we just picture, oh, like, we, we are doing it, we have done it, we can't do it wrong just by asking, you know, it's working. Or when you walk into a room with a child um, and you're, like, you know, what would it take to be present with this, with this child in that question, you know, you're already being present with them because you care and you're asking and you're not projecting anything at them, you're asking the question. So, like, you've already done it. So, you really can't do any of this wrong.
1: It's just a choice to do to choose it. Yes, yeah, and, and and that's a big, that's a key thing too. And I will share that with the kids too, be like, okay, if you don't think you're doing it, you're already doing it. Because we do, we judge ourselves that we're not even doing it. And it's just, they are so fast, just like you. You're, it, you're so fast that you've already done it. And like that guy, he probably already went past, the shopping mall and to Mars and back again and was trying to find himself and he was so expanded out yeah and that's what we do and then he tries to find himself back into somebody else's world and somebody else's reality and they're only to the shopping mall whereas he's already someplace else
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) yeah so
1: yeah and with that another another question that I ask um, a lot of times is where are you Right, because that helps a lot, too, with them um, being, being able to be present. Like, we were talking about the presence, and you also being able to be present with them. Like, if I have a child and I would like to interact with them and get them to maybe do an activity with me, um, and they're just... There's so much space... But yet they like we were talking about, they get really contracted, so I'll be like where, where are you?" And you know, if you have some kids or you can ask them that question, they'll be able to point to where they're at. Other times, if you don't have any kind of basic clues, it's basically filling filling their energy or finding their energy and following it. Where are you like and you can fill them like clear on another part of the building. Or they, like, may be so far out, like, literally on, I don't know, like, <laughs> on Mars, on Jupiter. It's like they're in their, own, in their own reality. So a lot of times what I'll ask them to do is, like, I'll be like, oh, there you are. Okay, cool. I'm like, well, can you, you can still be there, but can you also come here and be present with me? Because I would like to play with you. Wow. And when I ask them that, then they can be present. And, like, I'll get eye contact. I'll get something that they weren't allowing before. But I've also given that allowance for them to be who they are, that they can still be out there and they can still be playing and frolicking in the fields or whatever they're doing, and yet they can still be here and be present. And they've been made wrong for so long, too, that, no, you have to focus. You have to look at this, and you have to be right here right now
0: yeah well what
1: what if they could do that? What if they can be here, but they can also be someplace else all at the same time?
0: yeah, I actually at the music festival that I was selling my cinnamon buns at this last weekend. there was this boy that I haven't seen for years. he just happened to be there, and it was like it's three hours away from where we grew up it was and he sat with me at my booth, and we really had a nice visit, and, and he has, um, I believe it's ADHD, he has ADHD, and, um, growing up, he was always, like, the weird kid, like, everybody looked at him, like, you are such a weirdo, um, and he, but I would, I would watch him, and, and, like, the way that he was in the world was just, Like he had moved from a different town, and he had lived in China, and his parents had traveled him around, and his mom was an English teacher, and like he was just so different and worldly, and like all over the place, and it was just like it was so cool to see him this weekend because he was so in the wrongness of him in high school, and like because he was so different and he was so aware and so had so many like so ADD, um, and it was it was just really neat to see that to see him you know like thriving in this world and it just reminded me because on his desk was this piece of paper glued on that nobody else had on their desk and it was like these colorful letters that said focus and he would look down at the desk and focus and focus, and I don't know if it worked or not, but I don't think that it was that expansive for him to have this this big focus on his desk when the other kids did it. I think that was in about grade six. And so, so yeah, he always had to focus, and and um, yeah, it was just neat to see just the 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 man that he has turned into now. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and and that's the thing is like even if you lower your barriers and you're being present with them and being that doesn't mean that you're going to get like always continual like direct eye contact and you know but what if you just by being lowering your bearing, barriers and willing to be present with them it's it's that's it's that space. Yeah. Um, I just, like, lost where I was going with that. I was going to say something. Oh, like, for an example, um, a lot of the kids I work with, they also have what you call spinning behaviors, where they'll either, you know, um, you know, make their eyelids go really fast, they'll look out um, visually on the side, um, or, like, I've had kids who do a lot of flapping, like to slap their hands, or I have a boy I work with who also, he has a sock, and he loves to flap his sock. <sighs> and it's like all of this is going on, and you're having a conversation, and, you know, before it's always been like, okay, you need to put your sock down, because it's now time to focus. Well, what if he, I mean, I can literally having, like, I had a conversation with him like this the other day, and he's flapping his sock. And then I caught myself asking, are you listening? But I'm like, There's, they do, they do multitudes of things at the same time. They can be listening to, like, he can have music blaring on his iPad. He can have the TV on, playing some movie. He will be flapping his sock, and he'll be watching the ceiling fan and having a conversation with you. And Great. what if the more that you're allowing them to do all of that, actually, the more that they can receive instead of getting to try to be linear and to focus on one thing because they're not linear at all. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's the funny thing about that. He's like way more... It's like, yeah, and then you'll ask him to answer a question and he freaking has the answer. You're like, where the heck did that come from? But it does. Hmm. So that's another... Yeah, that's that's another thing is just to be aware of how they perceive things, and that's still a whole awakening for me. But I'm getting it more and more. It's like um, a great example I have with that is um, somebody else that I wanted to work with wanted to go golfing. He wanted to learn how to go. He wanted to learn how to golf. It was like a young. He was a young teenager, and. And we're like, okay, and like his bodily coordination is not the easiest for him. It's very challenging to coordinate using both hands together, using your eyes together, all of that, because being in their body is challenging. And so he went and he was there for a while and then he became very irritated and very upset and very anxious, and so they left. And later on... Um, we've got to talk about it a little bit. And they're like, well, you really wanted to learn how to play golf, so what was that about? Like, why did you, like, what was all those behaviors about? And he's like, how do you know a ball to hit? And we're like, well, there's only one ball to hit, the ball that's on the tee. And he's like, no, I see hundreds of balls. How do you know a ball to hit? We're like, wow. So how would you even know that if you didn't ask the questions? Right. Like, his... His awareness was so, his perception of stuff was so, like, I see all this stuff at one time, not just one thing. And he never knew that we would just see one thing, because that's what we see. So that's why it's so important to, like, you have space, but also to ask questions around things. And I'm not saying it's always the easiest, because, yeah, if you don't have somebody who's verbally speaking to you, but, you know, what, what are you aware of that you don't allow yourself to know?
0: Wow, that's amazing! It's so funny how something that's so great and and just it's just amazing that somebody could be that aware and then it's turned into like like substandard or like you're, you're the one doing something wrong or calm down. It's like no, this child is actually like Superman waiting to happen, and somehow we're twisting it into a wrongness. But but you're just yeah. Base. That's so cool! Wow. So um, we were talking before about um, before the show about um, auto auto response systems um, with these kids. You said you were having a had had a little brief conversation with Gary Douglas about um, children like X Men children um, and how their auto responders sort of work based on how much people projected them and how they automatically
1: respond to that. So could you elaborate on that? Yeah, we were actually having a conversation regarding, well, autoresponders and crushed autoresponders. And um, we were talking about the sensory cortex. And for, for all the, for X-Men kids, a lot of times you'll see, like, they're really um, tactilely sensitive, meaning to touch, like they can't wear certain kinds of clothes or ta- or they're sensitive like to foods like eating-wise, they can only tolerate certain types of textures in their mouth um, and also then they start, they can have a lot of physical things too, as a lot of allergies and a lot of um, sensitivities, whether that's food sensitivities, they can only eat certain things, whatever, and so I was asking questions around that and um, he was saying that sensory processing um, difficulties a lot of times occurs because kids learn to cut off their awareness. So, like, all of that sensory stuff is, like, the awareness that they're picking up from everything around them. Like, um, another thing I've heard before is, like, they can, they can, like, touch a table or a desk that they're sitting at, and they get flooded with the hundreds of kids that sat on the same desk
0: wow yeah yeah i've heard that for like looking in a mirror when you look in the mirror and judge yourself it's because you're actually getting all the judgments of all the other people who have looked in the mirror
1: but a desk
0: or a table oh my
1: gosh yeah and so that's the thing or they touch like a a ball and they, it's the same thing. They pick up all of that who's ever had the ball and then at the same time perceive like what every other ball in the world looks like that they've ever been introduced to. So oh they get God. all of that. So that's their awareness. But however, because a lot of times they go into overload and then they start showing the sensitivities of like being, they can only tolerate so much or whatever. Um, basically he's saying that they've taught themselves, or we've taught them to cut off their awareness, so then it turns into a sensitivity. Um, so they cr- then they create the sensory processing difficulties, and that's where the sensitivity to the environment, to the allergies, to the foods, and all of that comes up. And so he's like, the sensory processing part of it, how much of that is a automatic responder? an autoresponder and a crushed autoresponder where they're so aware of something, but instead of realizing that that's just an awareness and you don't really have to do anything with it, it's just this amazing awareness, they turn it into, it's where they've misidentified and misapplied it into, now they're extremely sensitive. Right. And then they have to act that out because and that's also the, biometric mimicry of what's put on them that, oh, okay, now you have this food allergy and you can only eat certain things, or you have this and you can only wear certain things, so then what do they do? They want to fit in. They want to be normal like everybody else, so then they have to act that out, and they actually come up with those physical ailments in their body. So that's what we are talking about with the auto- autoresponders and the crushed autoresponders and also the um, biometric mimicry and biometric mimicry.
0: Wow, this is hitting home for me like you wouldn't even believe. Um, Could you just clarify a few uh, key terms? Um, um, What was the the first one? um, Sensory
1: processing. Sensory
0: processing. Like, I get it, but, like, I don't get it. (laughs) You know what I mean?
1: It's kind of an overall term, a general term that's used um, for a lot of times kids that they say on the spectrum which is what we're talking about, all the X-Men kids, ADD, ADHD, OCD, autism, Um, and they call it sensory. There's different names for it, kind of, but it's sensory processing. And that's basically all your senses, whether that's visual, your hearing, um, tactile, which is touch, all your, and taste, those, all the things that we have on our physical body, but there's also other senses, like your kinesthetic sense. Um, they have a vestibular, it's a vestibular and a proprioceptive. So it's all that together. and basically what um, vestibular is movement. So it's like riding in a car or swinging like the uh, swing. It's like swinging movement you get from that, or riding on a rollerblading, riding on a skateboard, or going on a roller coaster ride. That's the vestibular movement. It's that movement that you get, like, okay, for instance, if you're on a roller coaster ride, you get that, like, ooh, you know, that, that, and that dizzy feeling. Yeah, oh, and your stomach kind of turns and stuff. That's your vestibular system. And it's basically, yeah, it's how that's, uh, gosh, there's so much. <laughs> that's when you, the, like with ADHD, the kids are hyper. That's what they call hyperactivity. So they're constantly running around. They're constantly on the move. They're going from here to there, here to there, because their actual system is underactive. Their vestibular system is underactive, and so for them to be able to interact in their environment and to stay alert, they constantly have to be on the move. okay. And then you have kids who have an overactive vestibular system, whereas they're the ones that would, would people would say they're lazy. Like they like to sit and watch TV all the time or play video games or they don't have a lot of actual physical motion and movement. But that's because they have an underactive system and then they actually require um, different alerting things to keep them alert to interact. So it, it, it goes both ways. But that's your vestibular system. And then your proprioceptive system is where your body is located in space. Like if you held your arm out to the side of your body, you actually feel that your arm is out there on the side of your body because you can feel it, not that you're visually looking at it. And the proprioceptive system is all your like receptors in your joints and your muscles and it's it's what creates your body awareness. So you know how close you are, you have a spatial relation of how close or how far you're away from something so you don't run into it. Like a lot of the kids I work with, they'll like randomly run into a wall or randomly run into a door frame or something because they don't have the visual or the the visual perceptual skills. Not even visual. They don't have the perceptual skills of where their body is located in space. Okay. Wow. Yeah, so that's what the sensory processing, it involves all of that on top of the touch, on top of the vision, on top of the hearing. And right. so that's sensory processing. Like even I mean, just
0: even just hearing everything that you just described, like throw all of that together into like one split second and that's probably what these kids are like twenty four seven. Like just yeah.
1: mm-hmm. that
0: much going on all the time.
1: Yeah. Wow. All the time. And and it's just like, they're so... That's why they have a hard time being, some of them, in, in um, loud places. Because, like, I've worked with kids who I'll be sitting there and all of a sudden, they're, you know, they're actually doing their work or they're actually doing an activity in front of them. And then they're out somewhere looking or you could, you know, they perk their head up or and they're aware of something. And then the phone rings or there's a knock on the door... And I've even worked with a child before, like, that they said something about there's... I can't remember what they said, but literally, I'm like, no, and literally, like, 10 seconds, maybe 30 seconds later, there's a fire engine going off, like the the sirens, because they hear all that stuff before we do, or before your typical person does. Um, So it's just, yeah, that's why they're so expansive and so aware and so instead of making that into a wrongness it's like oh how cool is that you actually knew that the phone was gonna ring or you knew that there was going to be somebody at the door before they even showed up
0: yeah, it's an incredible yeah. capacity so um, we only have about five minutes left but I, I do want to just ask you quickly about how do we start to um, use these capacities like to the child's advantage, like, um, like knowing that somebody's going to be at the door before they're at the door or being able to communicate telepathically is like what movies are made out of. Like it's an incredible, incredible gift. Um, so how do we take it from being wrong into showing these kids how to use it to their advantage? Um, A lot of
1: times it's actually just, It's sharing that with them and talking to them about it, regardless of how you think that they get it. Uh, Sharing that, because the thing is, I guess I've discovered, is that a lot of times they don't even know. They know they're doing that, but they don't get it because it's just like I was talking about the ball thing. They don't know their awareness is different because that's what they've always had all their life. Right. Right. So a lot of times if you can just share like, oh, wow, that is so cool. That is amazing that you have a capacity. Like this is, I I wouldn't have heard the door, somebody at the door until they're right there, until they're knocking on the door. So now that you're aware of that, you know, like what do you know and what can you do with that? And it doesn't even have to be that they have to do something with it, but sometimes it's just having that awareness around it. Then it's allowing them to be the gift that they are so then they can start to open up and share that and show that no matter how that shows up. Wow. Because I don't have a complete answer for that and, like, what you can do besides... Yeah, like, it's not going to, like,
0: show up a certain way well. Like, they'll become a rocket scientist like this. Like, it's like, it could happen, but it's, it's just about letting them know and acknowledging the greatness
1: of it. Yeah, totally acknowledging it and not made a wrongness. Like... I know we got to go. Just really quickly, like as an example for that, I worked with kids and what do they love to do? They love to draw or they build these amazing things and they draw this amazing stuff, but they're told that. They're like, no, you need to focus. You need to do this. Okay, well, what if they're given that as a gift and who knows where that can go? I mean, you know, whether they become some amazing artist or they share, however that shows up. So it basically, is acknowledging them for the gift that they have and the capacity that they have, and allowing them to shine and allowing them to be that. Right. And that wow. goes back to the presence and just like <laughs> really being there with them. <laughs> oh, I'm just overjoyed. This is so, this is so helpful. <laughs>
0: This is just amazing. It's helpful for me and helpful for me working with others. But really, it's so helpful for me right now because it's just there's just so much going on for me at all times that I feel like either I'm going to like spontaneously combust or be burned alive or I just burst into tears and run to my room. You know what I mean? So yeah, that's just this is this is life changing for me. I I will look at everything differently and like facilitate myself the way that you're describing you facilitating these kids. So, and for all of the 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 parents and and teachers and caregivers who will listen to this and 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 X-Men children too, it can totally help yes. them too. Like there's uh, this is such an incredible call and these tools are you just lay them out perfectly and I They have the capacity to change so many lives. Wow. Thank you so
1: much, Trina. Well, you're so welcome, and thank you for asking me to come on. It was an honor, and yeah, anything else that I can share, and I would love to, so. Oh, thank you so much. It's such a gift. Um, Thank you. Yeah.
0: Well, I don't want to go, but um, we're at the end of our hour, so um, thank you, everyone, for for joining us on the call today Um, and those of you listening to the replay in the future. um, I really hope you got as much out of this as I did. That was really game-changing. So we will talk to you next week on A Totally Different Reality. And next week um, we will be having uh, Georgia Watson on the show. Um, And she will be talking about... um, being the Difference in Relationships. She has, this re- she has a really, really lovely relationship, um, and she's also um, an Access Bars facilitator, and I kind of wanted to hear about how she put the tools together and to create such a lovely relationship. Um, so we will talk to her next Wednesday, um, and I hope you all have a really, really nice week. Thank you so much, Trina. Thank you.